0: Um, I'd like to really share with you uh, this psalm, which is a, a journey of a man who has been broken and made completely wrong choices, shipwrecked his life spiritually. And we have a unique moment in this psalm to go into the inner workings of somebody who is experiencing complete shipwreck. So the thought that I want to build with you is the idea is is that when we lose our way, there is always a way back to Jesus. And very often, as Christians, we can be more condemning and more than even God himself, which seems strange. But we can Isolate people, we can find ourselves in a situation and that's our own humanity. But I want to take you on a journey. What happens when somebody finds themselves shipwrecked? I was um, on the West Coast Trail and had a wonderful uh, time in, in, uh, in, in Vancouver Island. And I sat there one day and I looked out and I wondered to myself, why on earth would anybody build this kind of trail here? I mean it's fantastic don't get me wrong but there's there's hundreds of ladders there are canyons and rivers and and reefs and and so much dangerous wildlife and and it, I sat there thinking about this I mean there are eagles the size of small cars and because of the, the amount of protein and and I, I get sick if I ever saw another ladder again. Walking with with a forty pound pack on, trying to do seventy-four K, which is not a big distance to somebody that's healthy, but feeling every day like I'd just run an ultra marathon because the intensity and the mud and the landscape was the most stunning, but the most intense. Of course, the reason I thought and I googled it was because over 500 ships have been shipwrecked on that coast through the centuries. And the reason the path was... uh, created was because of outrage because people were being shipwrecked and there was no way off that coast and they were dying there and they created what they call the life path the life-saving trail it was actually called the Dominion life-saving trail that if you found you were completely lost there was a trail to be rescued by and there was a way out of the wilderness albeit very beautiful wilderness there was always a a way out a ladder to climb a direction to go where you can find freedom out of the wilderness that is killing you this psalm is exactly that It is the pathway to freedom for a king who has completely blown it. Look at verse 3. The first thing that we realise in this psalm and this section of confession is in verse 3. It starts with this very strong sense that, hey, I have to know my own sin and my sin and my failure and my character is before me. Confession only works. The pathway starts with the hardest of works, and that is to look at your own life and know your own failing, your own attitudes. In areas where, where he battled, he was, of course, King David. He was a glorious king. He was the shepherd who defeated Goliath. He was the righteous Man anointed of God by the great prophet. And now we find that he's fall from grace has been immense. His whole life is splattered across the sidewalk. You can see the pain and the mistake of what he has done. His pastor, prophet, friend, Nathan, comes and preaches a great message, prophetic message of which strikes David because David realises that he is adulterous, he is a murderer and he is shipwrecked his life. And it's quite stunning. He experiences a spectacular, uh, radical, intense moment when he realises that he has become a man that has lost God. Hey, we know people like that, don't we? We know people that have lost God. We know people who experience pain. We look at people who have fallen, as in our Christian language, who have chosen. We know. Desperate stories of pastors and leaders. We hear them, they're in the press. Of people who have shipwrecked their lives in so many areas. But what is the route back? What is the first step in the journey for David out of the wilderness? The first step is simply this acknowledging what you have done. You see, if a person acknowledges the power of sin within their life, then the person has, has acknowledged that. And as we acknowledge it and we're, we're honest about that, that is the first step of recovering our faith. Acknowledgement of our sin. Yes, he has committed the sin of breaking The Sixth Commandment and the Seventh Commandment, yes. But what does this verse tell us? What does this section tell us? It tells us that he's willing to scrutinize his sin. He's willing to ponder the man that he's become. And he's willing to look at the sinfulness within his life. I think that's where we find it so difficult, don't we? You and I. I look at this story and I realise although I'm not a king, although I am not commanding armies, although I am not regal and I don't have all that he had and it's hard to connect with an ancient world, in ancient history with the feudal systems of of wars and tribes and kings but I know in my own soul that there is a danger at times where I do not scrutinize my very sin within my own life. I don't deal with it in the way that I should. I can become angry or frustrated or resentful, or you'd never know it, because, I, I, you know, we're very good at hiding our sin, aren't we? <laughs> well, I am. You're obviously perfect. Uh, but we're very good at hiding our sin. When I grew up, there was a beautiful park in the town I'm from. It's called Mary Stevens, Mary Stevens Park, and it's Victorian. As many of the great parks were kind of modelled on St James's Park in London by uh, by the Houses of Parliament and by Buckingham Palace. And it has a, a, a fence around, a beautiful iron fence, uh, I think five amazing gates. You walk in, it's planted, there's open field, there's a bandstand for afternoon brass bands where they would come and gather and play, people would bring their lawn chairs. And there's a lovely, um, a lovely duck pond and as kids, and for the last, I guess, 140 years, generations of kids have come to the duck pond and they fed the ducks. How many of us love that? And every year, every winter, the Canadian geese arrive from Canada. And they set up noisy, difficult geese. And, and they set up their Tim Horton stall. And we, it's, it's a beautiful spot. Love it. In fact, as kids, we used to sneak in there at night about three in the morning and fish because there was great fish in the pond. You weren't allowed to do that, of course, but we did it because we were bad. Um, But every 25 years, they drain the pond in the middle of the town and then they list what they find in the pond. It's hilarious, shocking, and slightly frightening. Bikes, of course, are there, fridges. In fact, all of your home appliances end up in that pond. (laughs) A beautiful, regal Victorian park with the most gorgeous pond. Even it has a fountain. But down below is all the garbage and the rubbish of the years that have accumulated in this most beautiful spot. That is the danger. That you and I and me, we can look so good, but sometimes we need to drain the pond of our lives and we need to see what's below the water and we need to pull the trash out. And this is what is happening at this moment in this psalm. He's draining the water. He's pondering it. He's looking at it and he's saying, I have sinned. What is sin? Sin really is treason against the kingdom of God. See, David It says there in verse 4, I have sinned against you. Hang about, you you have sinned against, wait a minute, surely you've sinned against Uriah. I mean, after all, you organised his death in the thick of battle. You took Uriah's wife Bathsheba, she is now pregnant with who will be Solomon. Surely, surely you've sinned against them. Well, that's true. They are victims of the sin. But the real treason for David is that he has betrayed the very kingdom of God that he served, the very God that he was anointed to serve. You know, you go right back to the Battle of Marathon and it was the moment when the the Athenian. Hippiod came and he brought the Persians ashore so that the city could be captured. He committed treason. He guided the enemy in so that the city would fall. And this was the ancient concept of, of, of treason. Even in modern history, we see in the last, you know, last years of, of people committing treason. The Rosenbergs who were the last people to be executed in America for treason because they gave all of the nuclear science to the Russians and they were actually executed in the Cold War. They betrayed their nation because of this. He is recognizing that sinfulness is treason against the God that we serve. He's practically saying, I have trampled on the heart of God. And I am now willing to be serious and specific about the sin that is in my life. That's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? I think the one thing about modern evangelicalism is that we've lost the ability to be serious and specific about the garbage that resides within the ponds of our lives. And that's why we've got a weak church because we're not willing to deal with the junk that is thrown into the pond of our lives and we just hide over it rather than getting it out, putting it center center, and looking at it and saying, I am going to ponder Why this is here in my life. Very few people ever ponder their sin. Because we have a drive-through McDonald's approach to our spirituality of dealing with those issues. And then we see verse 7 as we move from confession Finding his way out of the wilderness, we, we see now move to cleansing. Verse 7 starts out with this amazing statement. Cleanse me, cleanse me, cleanse me, O oh Lord. Cleanse me with the hyssop. This is amazing because, the fra- first of all, in the New Testament, when the word cleanse is used, it's always used to do with leprosy. But what he's actually saying is by saying, cleanse me, he's actually saying, I have become a spiritual leper. I need to be purified in the temple because leprosy of my soul has made me numb and cold and has affected my ability to feel again and I am an outcast. And a leper, we know from Numbers, would have to shout ahead, Leper, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. And people would move out the way and he's saying as the king that has fallen, I am a leper, I have become numb. I've become diseased. I have become forsaken. I have lost the very feeling within my soul. And that's the terrible thing about leprosy. I've worked amongst lepers in Tanzania and and worshipped amongst them with, with no fingers and no toes because they lose feeling. And then damage comes and over years their bodies decay. And he's saying I have become a spiritual leper where I have lost the ability to feel God within my Life. Why? Because he's covering over sin. And when we cover it over, it has a spiritual effect within our lives. He says, the hyssop, that's the branch, it's like a, 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 a herbal branch, if you like, that the priest would put into. Um, the blood that was sacrificed, and the leper would step forward, and then the priest, in his gown and his robes, would 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 flick, and would declare, would actually declare, in fact, proclaim, "You are clean. You are." Forgiven. You are welcomed back into the temple with the wood and with the branch and with the blood, would declare cleanness over the person's life. And can I just remind you that you and I are forgiven, that you and I are clean because of the word of the cross of Christ and because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He has come and looked at you, a treasonous sinner, and has said, my dear friends, you have come to me. You have been specific. You've been serious and you've brought your problems to me and I declare over you, I proclaim it, you are forgiven through the work of Christ Jesus. That's what's happening. Of course, he then says, he says a prayer. Make me like white snow. Oh, we love that prayer in Kelowna. I'm already praying for snow. But there's nothing better for those of us that have season passes... Then when we get up the mountain and there is fresh champagne powder snow one foot deep and nobody's been on it and you're the first person on the run. Isn't that a description of heaven? As you carve your way down, (laughs) maybe not for you, Maui and champagne snow combined with the perfect if I could lie on the beach in Maui and go up and... Uh, I suppose that's Vancouver, isn't it? Um, <laughs> be wonderful. But he's saying, I want to be cleansed. I want to be white. I want it all to be taken away. And in verse 9, he says, blot it out. Blot it. The very nature of the word blot suggests that he's talking in terms of look at the account written... And all the things I have done, I acknowledge the list of things I have done, but now I am willing, Lord, for you to blot it out. To take that book of all that I've done wrong and to put a line through it. To throw the ink on it and to say, it's gone. The record has been spent. You were once a criminal, but now you're a free man. Creating me a new heart. Create. He moves into this moment of verse 10. I want, I need this creation. The word creation in verse 10 is exactly the same sentiment and word of Genesis chapter 1 but out of nothing out of darkness out of the separation of the void god spoke and god created And you may say, I want to be a new person like David. I want a new heart. I want a new beginning. I want to move forward. I don't want to be this way. But you see, what you realize is if you come with honesty, acknowledgement, if you come seriously, if you come to his throne, then it is the work of God that in the blackness and the void of your heart, he will create within you. It's a work of God. You can't manufacture this. This isn't a self-help process. This is a divine process that takes a shipwrecked sinner who has fallen from a height and has seen their life smashed and it takes them through a process by at the very last moment, yes, you are now forgiven, but now I'm going to transform your life from the inside out. And that is a creative work of God and only God alone can do it in the life but I welcome it. Come, Lord. Come and... Renew a new heart in me. Create a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfastness within me. Make my resolve so strong that I will never commit treason against you again. But I will keep a short account. I will be serious about my walk. And even though there may be red heifers slaughtered and the priests pronounce, I want not religion, but I want relationship and friendship with the living God. That's what I want. It's what his cry is. So the next time you meet somebody that shipwrecked their life, say to them in confidence that there is a path out of your broken wilderness. That you may be sat here and think, I've shipwrecked my spiritual life. I want to tell you there's always a way back to Jesus. I know people hurt us, and I know there's boundaries, and I know sometimes we have to put those up, but we mustn't stop believing that the most broken can find their way to Jesus. And then we have the preciousness of verse 11. Don't cast me from your presence. Because this is the most dreadful result of rebellious treason against the Lord. Is that the presence of God disappears from our lives. And yet it's the presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives that makes all the difference, doesn't it? To dwell in his presence. To know his presence. To know his comfort and his security there with us. I love, um, I love every stage of our kids. But I really do love it when they're little toddlers. Don't you love that? I'd l- love another one. But... I'm 50, coming 52, so I think that ship has sailed. Uh, But when they're little, I watch them. And when mum's around in the house, in the kitchen, the little one is playing, happy, talking, always watching what they're doing, but always one eye that mum's in the room, right? And when one mum leaves the room, it's like, where have you gone? And they jump up and they follow them around, usually talking incessantly. (laughs) And of course, that's the beauty of a little one. But the beauty is in that the little one is always feeling comfort because of the presence of the parent. I remember... I took one of ours, uh, she was little, but she was desperate to come on a trip with me when I went to speak somewhere, a little toddler, and I said, oh, and I kind of said, oh, well, yes, come with me, so she jumped in, and she came, she had a little computer game, whatever it was, press these things, and a book, um, I think it was Barney the dinosaur, terrible, How many of those have I watched? And I I was doing some youth worker training. She came with me, little. It was fun. But I got up to speak and she was sat in the audience. I could tell. I said, you've got to sit still and you've got to do that. And then I'll only speak for three hours. Um, But as I started to speak, she slid off the chair so that nobody could see her, she crawled right here on the stage, crossed her legs, opened her book, and just read what I was giving my seminar. <laughs> you see, she felt afraid there, probably rightly so, but she was fine in the presence of her dad even though her dad was giving a profound lecture and she was reading Barney. <laughs> Don't cast me from your presence. This is the worst thing about spiritually becoming a victim of sin. This is the worst thing of being shipwrecked, that we lose the presence of God within our lives. And then we change from, from confession to cleansing, and now the final part of the psalm, to consecration. He declares, restore the joy of my salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let me be full of joy again. If it's possible, let me know your presence. And now I want to consecrate my life to live utterly and completely to you. Not fake religion. I want a live relationship. It's not about all the sacrifices. It's about the renewing power of God in the heart of a man. Woman. What does the joy mean? Joy means, actually the exact translation from the Hebrew. It's really good this is. Bright. Restore me to brightness again. I love that. Because a joyful person is bright, aren't they? But the actual sense is bright. Bright. Let my world become bright again. Let me discover. I've been sick of the dredge and the garbage. I have acknowledged my failings. I am... I am I'm willing to be serious and specific. I am willing to renounce my treason of my heart. I will come to the great temple of where the Lord Jesus Christ is, my great high priest. And I will bring that and I will welcome the snow that will fall that will forgive me. But then I will welcome the creative power of God to transform my heart. It was the heart that got David into trouble and it's the renewing of the heart. That will get him out of the trouble and the renewing of that heart. Let the joy and the brightness. In fact, in the Hebrew, the word I love this as well is to do with lilies, white lilies. Let me fill my life again with beautiful white lilies. Would you like some flowers? Some of you are really nodding. Husbands get onto it. You need some beauty in your life. You see what? holiness does, we think holiness is boring. What being free of sin does, we think that sounds old-fashioned, but what being free of our inner battles and sin means that we have great peace and great joy and great freedom when we've got a renewed heart. It brings me back to my final point. We hear of, we know of, people that have shipwrecked their journey. Who have been through desperate events. Through pain. Some have made bad choices. Some, for no fault of themselves, have gone through divorce. Some have gone through... Even criminal issues, they've gone through so much. You name it, dependency issues, um, character extremes of anger, jealousy, insecurity have wrecked their lives. But whenever it is, and it's me as well, that whenever you've been wrecked by sin, We are a people that say this is the path out from the reef through the hard ladders you have to climb and you can be rescued and you can find new beginning and you can find forgiveness. He fell high and our dear shepherd king lost his way but he found his way back. How does this affect you and I? Well, of course, we don't play out these great, epic stories of Scripture generally in our lives. But we do play them out in the battle of our inner man, our soul. And we have to apply the same four principles of this psalm to our inner man. Acknowledge what you've done. Have the courage to ponder and think upon your sin. Be specific in your confession. Go to the one place where the record can be ripped up. And that is at the great high priest who intercedes on our behalf, Jesus. Allow him to remould your heart and dwell in his presence. And then joy will return to your life. I love the Christian message. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. for the pathway of Psalm 51. We thank you for the power of acknowledgement, for the power of confession, for the power of regeneration, of being renewed by God's power in our inner man, for the power of living in your presence that wants us to be always close to you, And thank you that those four things combined create a brightness in our lives. When we feel that we are crushed inside, as the psalm says, my bones are crushed. I thank you that you are the Lord that mends our broken bones of our lives. Help us to walk in that way and to love everyone we meet and see them as opportunities for utter redemption, for new beginnings, for second chances, for new life in Christ. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.